Welcome to the Ranking Things Podcast, a production of Jason Davis VoiceOver. Please visit jasondavisvoice.com for information about voiceover services for commercials, internet and corporate videos, e-learning, phone messages, and more. I'm Jason Davis. And I'm Eric Wright. Each episode, we're going to choose a topic and rank our favorites. And we invite you to share your thoughts, too. You can email us, rankingpodcasts at yahoo.com, or tweet us at Jason Davis Voice. Eric, we're going to talk about a fun subject today. Super fun. Super fun. We're talking about cartoons. Cartoons, indeed. And you know what's interesting? When I started putting together my list, it occurred to me, I really don't care about cartoons that much. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Well, sort of. My list primarily is going to be stuff that I grew up on. These days, I'm not that big on cartoons. There's some things that I watch. I don't make an appointment to watch any cartoons, if you know what I mean. For me in general, there's not much TV I watch now regularly anyway. But there are definitely some you know, cartoons as I got older that I really, really liked, which made this really hard because like you said, you grew up with cartoons. I mean, I definitely did. And right away, I had some favorites that I thought were going to be on my list. But then as I thought about some more things, stuff I thought were like, you know, definitely top five were falling out. And it's going to be weird because, you know, Kathy and I and other people I've been talking to, they're like, oh, you got to talk about this or that. And it's like, you know what? That's like a hundred Hanna-Barbera and all these other Saturday morning cartoons that you just... There's not enough time to get to all of them. No, you can't. So I'm sure we're going to have a fairly sizable, you know, honorable mention. Why don't we just get into it? What do you got for number five? All right. So my number five is uh, SpongeBob SquarePants. Okay. Started in 1999. You know, when it first came out, I was watching it with uh, the boys (laughs) because they were kids and I loved it. Thought it was hilarious. Um, Very well done. I kind of thought of it as the Bugs Bunny for the new millennium. Okay. There was stuff that the kids really liked, but there were other things being said and pop references that I really liked. And so it works so well on both levels. One of the things I thought was cool is the creator, uh, Stephen Hillenberg, mm-hmm. actually is a marine biologist. Oh, wow. As, as well as an animator. He graduated college with two degrees, marine biology and art. He started working at the um, Ocean Institute in Dana Point, California. There he started to put together, and he was like teaching children and stuff, and he put together this comic book called intertidal zone the original character was called sponge boy ahoy okay that's when and when he pitched it to nickelodeon that's what he pitched it as but they found out that that name was actually trademarked already what isn't that crazy sponge boy ahoy was trademarked yeah wow that is that's nuts that that is weird that's really weird um (laughs) I mean, I always like to just, for the silliness, right away, it just grabs you with the song, you know, the opening song. Yep. You know, he lives in a pineapple under the sea. He's got a pet snail that meows. Yeah. You know, there's Patrick, the uh, the sea star, not starfish, the sea star. Right. Who lives under her rock, which, you know, is very metaphorical because he's clueless. <laughs> you know, Mr. Crab is a lobster uh-huh. and he runs the Krabby Patty and he's like, you know, <laughs> A, uh, a miser and is always after the money. It's gotten four Emmys. In 2011, a new fungi species was discovered and it was named Spongiforma squarepantici. <laughs> <laughs> I checked it out and from what I could see, it's actually for real. Oh, wow. For me, SpongeBob 
it had to be in the top five, you know, okay. for me, just because of the intergenerational mix between uh, us older guys and our little kids. So that's it. What's your five? One of the first cartoons that I remember watching as a kid, Scooby-Doo. Oh, yes. Very good. Good choice. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I really... I was, yeah i mean you know just the characters are great i mean who doesn't love scooby-doo and i mean originally premiered in 1969 and it was actually the first saturday morning cartoon to include a laugh track which i think is very interesting oh Um, yeah well it sounded like the exact same three seconds over and over probably yeah and it's just it's (laughs) kind of interesting because i wouldn't think kids need that but whatever the characters were actually based on another CBS show, The Many Loves of Dobie Gillis. The Bob Denver character on that show was uh, Maynard G. Krebs. He was like a, right. a beatnik, and that's who Shaggy is in Scooby-Doo. Okay. So. You know who was the voice for Shaggy? Yeah, Casey Kasem. That blew my mind the first time I heard that. Yeah, he did a lot of work, actually. He's actually going to be mentioned uh, again in my top five, which we'll get to in, in a little bit. But yeah, Casey Kasem, he did uh, a decent amount of voiceover work back in the day. You know, it wasn't just uh, American Top 40. In the 70s and 80s, they added his nephew, Scrappy-Doo. I don't know if you remember that or not. Well, that's, <laughs> to me, when it started to jump the shark. You think? He was just such an obnoxious little prick. I mean, pup. Puppy power. Power. Oh, God. I guess for smaller kids, that he probably had more appeal, is my guess. Yeah. When they made the movies... Yes, when they made the live action movie in like 2002, yes. uh, they did a funny nod to him in that. Yeah, it was, was great. They yeah. like downplayed him and made him yeah. insane. And yeah. it was it was good. <laughs> I, that was definitely for the people of my generation. Yeah. You know, say, we're sorry we brought him in. <laughs> <laughs> but Scooby-Doo has really endured. Aside from being revived on, on TV a bunch of times, of course, the live action movies, but also there's been all kinds of straight to video feature length animated movies, too. We had some of them. They were okay. Yeah. Um, the original show was just awesome. Oh, yeah. It was it was a lot of fun. Remember when they used to have, like, you know, the Harlem Globetrotters and, and all kinds of other right. special guests on? Yeah, that was great. No doubt. Was Kiss ever on? It's funny you should mention that, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> Are you serious? I don't remember. They, I don't think they were ever on the show, but in 2015, they yeah. teamed up for Scooby-Doo and Kiss Rock and Roll Mystery, which I do have on Blu-ray. <laughs> No, I'll, I'll Gee, admit what a it. Surprise! You know, I got to tell you something. It's a lot of fun, not just for the Scooby Doo aspect of it, but Kiss really kind of pokes fun at themselves in it too. Yeah, and it's really good. It's very well done, and and they even have a couple of nods to past members and stuff. The interesting thing is, aside from Scooby, Shaggy is the only character to be in every incarnation of the TV series. Okay, so I guess at All some right. point, you know, Fred and Daphne weren't around, and and maybe Velma wasn't. Really? Yeah, I, I never realized that. Well, so, I have a question for you. Yes, sir. Daphne or Velma? (laughs) (laughs) I'm serious. I actually go for Velma. You think so? I do. Daphne is kind of a ditz, right? Yeah, yeah. She's kind of, yeah, she's ditzy, a little self-involved. And I mean, in the movies, they made it better because she started out all ditzy and stuff. And then she actually became pretty self-empowered, which was good. I'm glad they did that. Yeah, yeah. Because in the TV show... This wasn't enough. I and and Velma had, you know, she had a nice cartoon figure, so. <laughs> and she had the whole nerdy librarian look going on too. You know, with the glasses. Yeah, I don't know if I feel comfortable uh, going down this road with you right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. She's a little type A, probably. So. <laughs> no, that's not that. It's just oh, you're discussing cartoon figures. It's a little. 
It's like you just went through puberty. <laughs> really? <laughs> I'm always going through puberty. So a couple of fun facts about Scooby-Doo. Shaggy's mm-hmm. real name is Norville Rogers. I don't know if you ever knew that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Scooby's real name is actually Scoobert, and Scooby-Doo comes from the Frank Sinatra song Strangers in the Night. That's probably common knowledge, too. Scooby-Dooby-Doo. Exactly, right. exactly. Frank mm-hmm. Welker, who provided the voice of Freddy wanted to audition for the role of Shaggy because he was always cast as a straight man and other things that he did, and he okay. was really looking to do comedy. Casey Kasem, who, of course, is the voice of Shaggy, as we just mentioned, mm-hmm. he wanted to audition for the role of Freddy because he didn't feel like he was a comedic actor. Mm-hmm. So Freddy, by the way, was named after CBS executive Fred Silverman. And there's actually a couple of rumors about the show that have kind of circulated over the years. You know, one of them was that Shaggy was always high. That's why he had the munchies all the time and stuff. <laughs> the one with Scooby's excuse. Well, Just he's a dog. dog. Yeah. Okay. I don't think that's true. I mean, you know, any guy that's going to eat dog snacks and chocolate-covered hot dogs and everything else has got some sort of a problem anyway. And I don't think it has anything <laughs> to do with drugs. And he's afraid of absolutely everything. Yeah, so. but there's yeah. another rumor that I thought was very interesting. <laughs> there was a rumor that Freddie and Daphne would uh, go off and have sex when the gang splits up to look for clues. <laughs> if you think about it, you know, we would always see Shaggy, Scooby, and Velma by themselves, yeah. you know, gathering the clues. The reason that uh, we never see Freddie and Daphne when the gang splits up is because the creators and the writers for the show, Joe Ruby and Ken Spears, said mm-hmm. that writing for Fred and Daphne, who were kind of the straight characters, was boring. Yeah. And they wanted to, you know, focus on writing gags for Shaggy, Scooby, and Velma. So they would always find an excuse to split them up in the cartoons, oh, which I think okay. is very interesting. Yeah, definitely. That is pretty interesting. Uh, as you know, Scooby-Doo is a Great Dane, right? Sure. Originally, Hanna-Barbera didn't want him to be because they didn't want there to be confusion because of Marmaduke. But they, oh. they, ended, they ended up going back to the Great Dane. And character designer Awao Takamoto went okay. to a dog breeder to find out what made up a prize-winning Great Dane. And then mm-hmm. he broke every rule in his design of Scooby. <laughs> <laughs> so he gave Scooby a double chin, uh, the bow-legged right. hind legs, and spots right. on his back. No real Great Dane has spots, apparently. Oh, and, uh, okay. Scooby's, yeah, and his ears are all fucked up, too. Well, yeah, I mean, he's, he's a mess, right? Scooby's lack of prize-winning characteristics is actually spoofed in one of the episodes of the show called Decoy for a Dog Napper. Oh, okay. And that's all I got to say about Scooby-Doo. <laughs> that's all we have to say. I, I love Scooby-Doo. Yeah, Scooby-Doo's um, a lot of fun. Okay. What do you got for four. number four? All right, my number four is a, a cartoon that started in 2013. Uh, Max got me hooked on it a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. It's called Rick and Morty. Okay. It centers around Rick Sanchez, who's a, a very cynical, mad scientist. He's actually the smartest being in the universe, and he's a substance abuser. Okay. <laughs> Not just like alcohol, but there's episodes where like he'll send Morty. Morty is his um, grandson, who's this kind of you know very meek, mild very fretful little boy who's kind of like the moral compass okay. um, because as the show unfolds and episodes go on, you know, Rick, he's being hunted by the, you know, intergalactic police because he's done all kinds of weird things in alternate dimensions and stuff. Morty's always like, geez, I don't know, Rick. You know, Rick will be just belch and be like, shut the fuck up. We're going to go do this. <laughs> Does he actually curse? Oh my gosh. It's hilarious. And there's like a lot of nerd appeal because it's very much into like sci-fi based. And like I said, there's, you know, intergalactic space travel and all that kind of stuff. One of the, the co-creators, Dan Harmon, his inspiration, he draws that from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Doctor Who, 
Monty Python, the Holy Grail. So, you know, if that's where you're, you know, you're pulling from, you're going to come up with some pretty weird stuff. Yeah, I can't put into words what makes it so unique. So I'm going to steal something from uh, Troy Patterson of The New Yorker. He wrote that Rick and Morty answers the question, what follows postmodernism? A decadent regurgitation of all its tropes all at once, leavened by some human wistfulness. In English, I'm not exactly sure what that means, <laughs> but but it's hilarious. What do you have for number four? Number four for me is the Jetsons. Oh, okay. Um, you know, it could have been the Flintstones just as easily because I, I sure. you know, grew up watching them too. But I think mm-hmm. I put the Jetsons in the top five because personally, I, I was always more enamored with them. I, I like the futuristic aspect, flying cars, all that stuff. I like how oh, yeah. when he gets off, you know, he gets out of the car and folds up into a briefcase, he carries it. Right. Into I mean, that's, you know, cool stuff. The funny thing is, you know, when I was making the list, I didn't even think, gee, I wonder if like the stuff I'm putting on this list that I liked as a kid would play the same way to me now. And I'm guessing probably not. I mean, I haven't watched, Mm -hmm. I can't remember the last time I actually watched the Jetsons. It probably would be fun to visit certain episodes, like the Jet Screamer episode was really fun. Oh, yeah, the singer. Yeah, Eep Up Work Ah Ah, that means (laughs) I love you. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. But Judy um, was pretty hot, right? Right? She was. Dude, You're I, laughing, so you agree. I think you have a problem, dude. I really do. Uh, you totally agree. Now, do you think Astro was kind of a ripoff of Scooby-Doo? He's designed by the same guy. The same guy that, that designed Scooby-Doo, designed Astro, and he's also voiced by the same guy, Don Messick. Oh, okay. So they introduced Astro in season one uh, episode called The Coming of Astro. Okay. Jane, Judy, and Elroy wanted to keep him. I, I don't know, I guess they, he was a stray or something. George, of course, was against it, and he said that an apartment is no place for a dog, right? Right. So to try to make the family happy, he gets the electronic dog, Lectronimo. <laughs> I don't know if you remember oh, this. Right. Yeah, I remember that. And Lectronimo fails to catch a burglar, but Astro inadvertently stops the burglar. Yes. And so they send Lectronimo pack into the police and they keep Astro. <laughs> and then Aww. in a later episode of the show, we find out a little bit of Astro's origin. Millionaire JP Got Rockets shows up and claims to be <laughs> Astro's former owner. Got Rockets? Got Rockets, yeah. <laughs> nice. nice. And he says that the uh, the dog's original name was Tralfaz. 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 Okay. But then he sees how much uh, Elroy and Astro have bonded, and he says, oh, you can keep them. And I can understand Astro running away. I mean, with a name <laughs> like that, why are you going to stay? What, Tralfaz? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't that make you want to get the hell out of there? It's like, Tralfaz, boy. I don't know. I never really uh, I never really gave it much thought. <laughs> Ugh. If that was your name, you'd want to leave. Yeah, it is kind of a weird name, I guess. The Jetsons were the first program ever to be broadcast in color on ABC, which I thought was interesting. Really? Yeah. That is really cool. It originally ran for only 24 episodes during the 1962 to 63 TV season. Wow. In 19- I didn't know it was that old. Yeah, yeah. And well, I, you know what? That's that's kind of speaks to uh, how good it is because yeah. we probably first saw it, like I guess, in the 70s. Right. In 1985, mm-hmm. they brought it back. They made new episodes. They had designed to syndicate with the originals. Like Scooby-Doo, they've also branched out to feature-length films. The design of the Jetsons flying car was inspired by a 1954 concept car called the FX Atmos, which had that kind of bubble glass and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And the Seattle Space Needle mm-hmm. inspired the SkyPad apartment buildings. Oh, sure. Which makes sense. All right. So yeah, I liked how they had the treadmill to walk, uh, yeah, yeah. To walk Astro, because, you know, they're up in up in the sky right. so yeah they can't really easily take him for a walk jane and, uh, stop this crazy thing. thing do you remember spacely sprockets uh um competitor what they were called 
Cogswell Cogs? Good job. Really? Yeah. Nice. Man. Nicely done. Jeez, uh, I can't remember what I had for dinner last night. But I can remember <laughs> that. Isn't that how it works, though? Well, my brain, yeah. I know Sue probably would have chosen the Flintstones over uh, the Jetsons for a top mm-hmm. five list. Primarily, she said, because uh, she liked, like, the, the talking appliances, that they were all animals. Right. You know, like, yeah. there was one episode where, like, there was, like, an elephant, and he would blow the water on the dishes for them to wash. Right. And then, like, he'd turn to the camera and go, it's a living, you know, it's or something living. like that. Right. <laughs> all right, what do you got for your number three? My number three, it started, well, 1997 was when the um, actual cartoon series started. It's uh, South Park. Oh, okay. And I remember back... In 1995, a friend of mine showed me this thing. He had gotten a Christmas card from someone who had gotten a Christmas card, blah, 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 that showed these paper cutouts Mm -hmm. of these, you know, four boys arguing about, you know, Jesus and Santa and who's better. And it was it was South Park. And I thought it was just the most hilarious thing. I really like the dark, surreal humor. I like how they satirize everything yeah now oftentimes they do go overboard in a way i i almost didn't want to bring them in my top five (laughs) but they're just so ruthlessly opinionated they hit issues right on the head they make fun of everybody and they they don't pull any punches and you know and they kind of have done that with movies too you and i Mm -hmm. talked about team america world police on our other podcasts uh screen facts with jason davis shameless plug and um (laughs) check it out that movie's fantastic admittedly i'm not as big of a south park fan as you are i love trey parker and matt stone i think those guys are brilliant yeah Uh, i just never got into south park because i guess like Mm -hmm. i said i i'm not a cartoon guy for the most part right what i've seen of south park i've enjoyed and i think the south park movie is fantastic mm-hmm. so that was my three and what's yours number three for me is super friends oh okay <laughs> there were um there were like a couple of different versions of super friends it mm-hmm. premiered originally in 1973 originally they had wendy marvin and wonder dog i don't know if you remember that yeah um, oh, yeah and then eventually they were replaced by the wonder twins zan and jana with the monkey gleek those characters were kind of odd, both sets of those characters, because they didn't really do much except kind of get in the way and, and cause more problems for the Super Friends. <laughs> <laughs> right. But yeah. Like, I guess, well, maybe the Wonder there? the Wonder Twins, I think, were, were had powers and they and they helped. But Wendy okay. Marvin and Wonder Dog, my, my recollection was that they just got in the way most of the time. Yeah. Why the heck would you bring them out? Like, I guess for comic relief, maybe. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Well, that's too obvious. Yeah. And then there was another thing, too, like Wonder Dog was sort of the mascot for the Super Friends. But then there was Dog Wonder, who is the mascot of Blue Falcon, another superhero that was featured on ABC Saturday morning. So I don't know. And then Dog Wonder was also featured with Scooby-Doo as Mm -hmm. Dino Mutt. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Wonder Dog Man, didn't have any powers. You're totally taking me back to like yeah. my Saturday morning. Childhood. Oh yeah, I mean that was it for me. Saturday mornings were all about cartoons. You know, yeah. you get a nice big bowl of cereal, usually mm-hmm. with a lot of sugar in it, something that had like a lot of colors in it, like fruity pebbles or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and they don't have Saturday morning cartoons anymore. Now it's all educational stuff. I think cartoons nowadays, maybe they're a little bit more cerebral than what we grew up with. Kids have so much at their fingertips with the internet and stuff that you Mm. can't be as dumbed down as what we watched, you know? Yeah, but you still got to have it. You got to have your dopey SpongeBob. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. You got to have that stuff. That stuff's great. 
Yeah, I mean, back in the day, the Super Friends were pretty black and white, so to speak. You know, I mean, yeah. you know, you had your bad guys, you had your good guys. At one point in like 1978, Hanna Barbera decided that they they needed to have a little more ethnic diversity in the Super Friends lineup. <laughs> okay. So that's when they started to come up with uh, Black Vulcan, El Dorado, uh, Samurai, Apache Chief, like all these, oh, okay. you know, racially and culturally diverse characters. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately. They kind of were, st- you know, sort of stereotypical, Pretty. like Apache chief. Oh, me, Apache chief. Me, me throw tomahawk. Yeah, exactly. You know, was it like a tomahawk of power or something like that? I, I re- the, out of those characters that I just mentioned, I, I definitely remember Apache chief most. He would say some Native American chant or whatever, and then he would like grow super big. That was his power. Okay. And then he would, you know, be able to take down a bad guy because he was like a giant. But uh <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Ooh, I, yeah, that's I, cool. Yeah, and that's like the best they can give. I know. Well, I guess they didn't have a good, of you know, they were too busy focusing on uh, on making Superman the the main focus of the show. You know. Well, yeah, you can't have anybody being more super than Superman. So number two, what do you got? Number two for me is Peanuts. Oh, okay. And I know we weren't really thinking comic strip. They're kind of unique because I mean they've done Peanuts movies, but they're primarily right. known for all their like specials on TV. I don't remember them ever having like a regular series. I right, think, they never had a regular that. series. I kind of took a little liberty with this one by choosing Peanuts only because they meant so much to me with their specials mm-hmm. and also to my kids and to our family. You know, with the Great Pumpkin, mm-hmm. you know, and the Christmas, and just the fact that it's still being syndicated in reruns. Oh yeah, in newspapers. I mean, oh it's, yeah, yeah. The, it's the just Peanuts insane. are insane. They're part of Americana. And just because the specials, like I said, meant so much, I, I, I had to put them in here. It's uh, the most printed strip of all time. In uh, the 1960s was its peak, and that's also when those, uh, those specials uh, came out. Okay. At that time, 2,600 papers around the world, 355 million readers in 75 countries. Wow. I always wondered, you know, maybe do we all somehow – identify with charlie brown in some way he's the ultimate underdog i mean you know yeah you're always rooting for him you want to see him kick that football in the worst way right you want him to win a baseball game yeah you know absolutely you want him to keep his clothes on after somebody hits his uh pitch yeah i mean all the times that lucy pulls the football away he hasn't snapped her neck amazing (laughs) he's like it's weird i i was gonna say he's like the eternal optimist even though He's always like, uh, you know, he's down the dumps. <laughs> with Halloween, he can't make a decent ghost costume. You know, he looks like um, a potato because he, he cut too many holes, <laughs> you know, and everybody's getting candy and stuff. What does he get? I got a rock. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, it's a really great. I mean, it's very deep show with, you know, the relationships with all the different uh, types of kids in the group. Charles Schultz based this um, in 1947. He wrote a cartoon called Little Folks okay. for his local newspaper for a couple of years. United Feature Syndicate wanted to change it to Peanuts, and he didn't like the name. He never liked the name. He thought the name was too simplistic for what he was trying to do. And the more I thought about it and the more I read, I'm like, he was really pushing the envelope because here in the 60s, like he introduced Peppermint Patty. Okay. Which was, you know, like a tomboy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was not a typical cartoon character you were seeing right. at that time. You mm-hmm. know, and then uh, he introduced Franklin in uh, 1968. He was very serious about what he did. He thought cartoons were had to be very important. He said, you know, 
who reads these things? You know, kids are reading these things. We have to instill some morality, you know, some social conscious. And if you look a little bit more and you listen more to what's going on in the specials, you can definitely see that. Oh, um, no there's doubt. some nice life lessons. Mm-hmm. Plus, Snoopy is just cool as all get out. No doubt. For me, Peanuts, uh, yeah, definitely had to be in here. So, And for me, way I didn't expect I would have him up so high, but the more I looked and remembered, the more I really think Charles Schultz was just so friggin' unique and a genius. So number two for me. All right. Number two for me is Family Guy. Really? Yeah, you know, and the reason I put Family Guy uh, at number two instead of The Simpsons, because I haven't watched The Simpsons in years. When they first came out, I watched them religiously. I I never missed an episode. I even recorded like the first four or five seasons because I thought, Mm -hmm. oh, it'll be great to have this, you know, when they're not on the air anymore. Honestly, who knew? Because they were, you know, just a little thing that that started on the Tracy Ullman show. And I'm glad that they're still around, but I I honestly haven't really watched them. Family Guy is number two for me because... If I'm flipping through the channels and there's really nothing else on and Family Guy's on, I'll put it on. It'll make me laugh. I mean, I think it's really well done. You know, some people bitch about it being, you know, maybe there's an agenda and maybe he just makes a lot of pop culture references. But I think it's it's sharper than that. And Mm -hmm. and I you know, I, I really am a big fan of Seth MacFarlane. I haven't watched his other shows. I didn't watch The Cleveland Show, and, and I haven't watched American Dad. But, okay. um, you know, I've enjoyed stuff that he's done in movies. Uh, I love the Ted movies. Um, a Million Ways to mm-hmm. Die yeah, in the West was, was a lot of fun. I just like Seth MacFarlane. I think he's a talented guy. You know, the fact that he does most of the voices on the show. I just get tired of him saying, you think that's bad? Remember the time? And then it was a flashback. <laughs> and the whole show was friggin' flashbacks. I'm like... <laughs> Can't they make up a current story? But I think, you know, the football headed <laughs> kid is friggin' hilarious. Stewie, yeah. Um, yeah. And I, li- I like the dog a lot. The daughter's kind of cute. You know, she's got that nerdy thing going for her. <laughs> the big joke on the show is that yeah. she's hideous. And they always make fun of her, and then, like, you know, they always kind of disavow her as part of the family and all that because she's so. Oh, hideous. really? Yeah. So it's funny that, you know, you see her that way. Oh, man. I gave it a shot. I guess it didn't grab me. And, you know, we always say with so much stuff on TV, right. if it doesn't grab you early on, you're not going to stick with it. So Again, the reason I, I chose it for number two is because it's one of the few animated things that I'll watch. There's definitely some good humor. Yeah, there. but the truth is I don't go out of my way to watch any animated stuff, even Family right. Guy, even though it's number mm-hmm. two. Like, it's not like I make an appointment to watch this show. And I, I yeah. kind of feel bad saying that because I think it is a good show. It's just, I just don't watch it. It premiered in 1998. It's won a lot of awards, including seven Emmys. The show's Has em- it really? Yeah. The show's Emmy nomination for Outstanding Comedy Series in 2009 marked the first time since The Flintstones that an animated mm. series earned uh, that nomination. Wow. Um, Originally, Seth MacFarlane had conceived the Griffin family as characters for animated shorts on Mad TV, kind of like The Simpsons were on Tracy Ullman. Okay. A lot of the regular voice actors on Family Guy, including the voice of Lois Griffin, Alex Borstein, Phil Mm -hmm. Lamar, Deborah Wilson, and Nicole Sullivan are all Mad TV alumni. So, you know, they probably would have uh, figured in very prominently if it was Mm -hmm. done for Mad TV, but somehow it became, you know, its own show. The show was actually canceled twice, once following the second season, and then they didn't have a new episode for a year, and then the second and longest being between the third and fourth seasons from 2002 to 2005. There were online petitions from fans, but also they were selling a ton of DVDs, and so like the powers that be said, well, you can't ignore that. You know, that's, right, that's yeah. money. 
And so, you know, they brought it back and then it became really popular in addition to being on Fox on mm-hmm. Cartoon Network's uh, Adult Swim. Okay. When the series was first pitched to Fox, uh, William H. Macy, who's a terrific actor, had, oh, yeah. had auditioned for the role of Brian, who, uh, of okay. course, is played by Seth MacFarlane, which is basically just his regular voice. Seth MacFarlane based the voice of Peter Griffin on a security guard that he knew when he was going to college. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they poke fun at a lot of things, like South Park. They seem to be equal opportunity offenders on, on Family Guy, too. <laughs> yeah. You know. And that is something I do like. What do you got for number one? All right. Um, Number one is probably a really safe bet. And I know Sue will probably agree with me. Mm -hmm. Kathy definitely agrees with me. Mm -hmm. Um, I agree with me. Uh My number one is Bugs Bunny. Well, I agree with you, too, because number one for me is also Looney Tunes. I just put Looney Tunes. Yeah. um, And that that encompasses all of the Looney Tunes characters for me, Mm -hmm. whether it's Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, Elmer Fudd, Porky Pig, Speedy Gonzalez, Roadrunner Wile E. Coyote. Foghorn, Leghorn, <laughs> who else am I leaving off? Uh, there's, uh, you, know, you go back to 1938, you you could be doing like all the precursor to like Porky Pig was an early one. Yeah. Oh, a Pepe um, Le Pew, Yosemite Sam, Marvin the Martian. Oh, yeah. Sylvester and Tweety. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, right there, you just rattled off a whole bunch of reasons. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for me, it has to do with, you know, growing up. I think Bugs Bunny is just like the gold standard that everything else has shot for. Like I said before, I think like SpongeBob, I thought was kind of like a a current Bugs Bunny because as a kid watching Bugs Bunny, you're laughing at a whole lot of stuff, but not understanding, you know, some of the references. (laughs) Um, You know, they always had, especially also I was watching it, you know, late 60s and 70s. So they're making references to movie stars from you know the 40s and 50s right and it's like oh i'm laughing at him because oh that's a funny guy but no it's actually (laughs) it's a really good imitation of somebody back in the the 40s you know let me ask Um, you this have you watched bugs bunny recently we have a dvd collection that's got like a hundred and some episodes about two years ago we watched a bunch of them to me it was still as funny. Up. Actually, it was funnier because okay. I understood more. Okay. So to me, I think that says a lot when you actually enjoy it more as you get older. Yeah, I definitely feel like I like the later Bugs Bunny mm-hmm. cartoons more than the really old ones, mostly because I like the way Bugs Bunny looks in the, in the uh, the more recent ones, you know, like the later episodes. Yeah. The the humor is probably more relatable. He was definitely grew out to be one of the main characters. Oh, no he doubt. Changed. He's, he's you know, the and hub. He changed. Yeah. So much. There's arguments that, well, he started in 1938 with, you know, Porky's hair hunt. And then other people say, well, no, he actually started in 1940 with wild hair because in those two years, the changes were incredible. He was designed differently. You know, his color changed, but also his personality, his voice. He started off kind of a bit more, you know, gruff and, you know, tough guy, wisecracking. Mm-hmm. And then... And then in the 40s, he became you know, more smooth and cool, and he won all the time. And then after the 40s, you know, they started um, just doing some more of the fun stuff, like mm-hmm. you know, with the evil mad scientist and the big monster, right, uh, you know, getting your nails done, yeah. and how Bugs Bunny was always able to <laughs> pull out a giant mallet out of nowhere to <laughs> clock somebody. Yeah, you I know? mean, he's, you know, he's, he's def- like you said, 
the gold standard that all other cartoons try to to live up to. He's I the bar, so. yeah. no no doubt about it. I mean, he is what what a cartoon should be, without question. You know, you got Elmer Fudd with the you know killed a wabbit. I mean, that's yeah. like gotta uh, be one of the most famous cartoons just oh, yeah. ever. And I'm not as well versed as you and Sue probably are in, in Bugs Bunny stuff, but mm-hmm. the one that always sticks out for me that I can remember pretty vividly is the duck season, wabbit season stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah that's brilliant that's the to me nothing's better than that when it comes to bugs bunny because and i love daffy and every time bugs bunny fucks up daffy in that cartoon right like his his bill ends up a different way it's, it's like sideways yeah. it's backwards it's it's so fun. it's so good do you want to shoot him now or shoot him when you get home yeah oh no <laughs> Not again you can shoot me when we get home. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, we can't talk about Bugs Bunny, Looney Tunes, whatever, without acknowledging the, the pure fucking genius of Mel Blanc. Oh, yeah. I mean, Mel Blanc, he developed and performed, what they say, close to 400 distinct character voices in the course of the course. Cow. Not just on Looney Tunes. I mean, he did other stuff yeah. after Looney Tunes also. He was but, Woody Woodpecker. I didn't know that. Um, I think he was replaced as Woody, though. I think he was Woody Woodpecker for like maybe mm-hmm. a couple of episodes and then somebody else um, replaced him. Okay. But he was the voice of Barney Rubble. He was? Yeah, he was Barney. He did Captain Caveman later on. Mm-hmm. Mel Blanc and then maybe two or three other people that did like all that stuff. So like I said, Bugs was uh, and Looney Tunes was number one for me too. So let's move yeah, on okay. to the honorable mentions. What do you got? We talked about some already. Love the Flintstones. Tom and Jerry, Popeye, Felix the Cat from way, way back. Mm-hmm. Fat Albert okay. and the Cosby Kids. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I was debating whether or not to mention that because of all the controversy with Bill Cosby lately. But I loved that show when I was a kid. That was a very cool show. Yeah. Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> okay. It was such a low tech <laughs> kind of show. Oh, oh, and they were, they were just so dysfunctional that it was hilarious. A show that Max watches called Archer. Okay. I've watched, I've watched some episodes. It's really, really good. Yeah. Tommy um, mentioned it too. He said it's, it's super good, super funny. So I might yeah. have to check that out. Ren and Stimpy. Mm-hmm. When that first came out, I, I was like, oh my God, this is great. This is weird. And how can this be on Nickelodeon? Because <laughs> w- when it came out, I think the only other shows on Nickelodeon were like Rugrats and Doug. So yeah. you talk about very simple, sweet, family, benign kind of things. And right. then you got Ren and Stimpy where they're like peeling their eyelids off, and, <laughs> you know, and you're seeing you're seeing their like butt cheese yeah. with all kinds of flies and stuff and it was like for me anyway that was like the first like disgusting cartoon where you're just being outgrossed and i was like "Uh, yeah i'm watching nickelodeon i don't believe this (laughs) yeah yeah they were definitely very different for their time no doubt yeah and they probably and they probably opened the doors for a lot of stuff Mm kind of like the way the simpsons did for uh family guy yeah and then a bunch of others, like I was my early teens, I get home from school. And then before I went and did my paper route, there would be um, Spider-Man mm-hmm. which was, and, and the Hulk, which yep. were just so bad. Yeah. Yeah. But they were cool. Magilla though. Gorilla. Yep. Magilla Gorilla. Magilla and Gorilla was. Ape. Yeah. And they were, they became part of something called Laugh Olympics, right? Weren't they part yes. of? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had them down on my my honorable mentions. Okay. Hong Kong Fooey. Hong Kong Fooey, yeah. Josie yeah. and the Pussycats, I'm going to mention for Sue. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I didn't really. They were all right. Remember Courageous Cat and Minute Mouse? Minute Mouse. Oh, Underdog? Yes. Underdog was another Underdog. One? Sure. Oh, what yeah. was the one? Dastardly and Mut- Muxley? Dick Dastardly and Muttley. Yeah, I think they were part of Laugh Olympics, too. Penelope Pitstop. Right. 
Yeah, I don't remember I what that show was called. I'm sure it people are yelling own. at us right now that are listening. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, don't I can't remember. remember what the heck that show was called. I, I feel I want to say that that was part of Laugh Olympics. Yeah, yeah, I but I don't know. Muttley had that laugh. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't do that unless yeah. I'm wheezing. Yeah. Well, it sounds like we well, we had a lot of the same uh, honorable mentions. You you said Tom sure. and Jerry, right? Yep, yep, yeah, Tom and Jerry. I had Tom and Jerry. And the only other one that I'm going to add to the list of honorable mentions that you didn't mention is a, a Netflix series uh, that was created by Bill Burr. It's called F is for Family. Very good. Oh, okay. There's something to me that's very hilarious and, and enjoyable when cartoons say fuck and stuff. It's just, <laughs> it's just funny. Yeah. It's yeah, just it funny is. stuff, you know? It is funny. It gets me every time. Kind of like when old ladies swear. Yes. Or kids. Or kids in movies. I got nothing else. I'm drained. Yeah, me too. You're going to call it? Go ahead. I'm going to call it. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Ranking Things podcast, a production of Jason Davis VoiceOver. Make sure you visit us at jasondavisvoice.com if you need a voice for a commercial, internet and corporate video, e-learning, phone message, and more. Remember, we want to know what you think, too. If you have uh, cartoons that are favorites that we didn't talk about, let us know. Email us rankingpodcast at yahoo.com or tweet at Jason Davis Voice. I'm Jason Davis. And I'm Eric Wright. Thanks for listening to the Ranking Things podcast. That's all, folks.